All right, uh, welcome back. Here we go, episode fifty-nine of the uh, the Racing News podcast. Um, we're right in the middle of a pretty wet, wild, and windy fortnight, which has certainly impacted everyone's training. We've seen some great footage from uh, from Narang and places like that. Kyle, have you, uh, you you live on close to Narang? Have you any journeys into the forest to have a look at these these uh, Narang waterfalls that we've been seeing a bit of on social media? Uh, I've had a little look kind of just driving past when I go to work and come home from work when I'm about to drive in the driveway, just look up in the forest, and that's probably yep. the closest I've got to any waterfalls in Narang. Have you been into Narang when it's been ridiculously wet and, and waterfalls? Have you actually seen been in there when you've seen some of these things yourself? Yeah, I, I remember last year we had this couple of weeks, probably a similar time last year, and Brett took us on one of the Monday morning runs and it was just absolutely pouring and we were just climbing up these waterfalls. I don't know where, where we even were half the time. These random waterfalls that Brett was the only one that knew about and all over the place. So, yep, definitely seen them, but haven't ventured out in the last week, been sticking to the road. And wisely so, I'd say. I, I saw uh, a couple of comments on Strava this morning that, a few of the boys, I think it was Joey Campbell and Matt Burt were out there with Eddie, I think. And uh, I think Tom Brimelow asked them how high the creek was. You know the creek um, on the 3.0 loop, you know, the one that you, you cross. Yep. Uh, they said it was up to sort of waist chest height. So that's that's pretty as deep as I'd ever seen it. I don't think, I mean, that's a lower height for me. But for those shorter runners, maybe it's uh, it's a bit more dangerous. Maybe under. That's the benefit of being tall. Um all right, so look, there hasn't been a huge amount of racing, Kyle. We were just talking off air, aren't we? About there hasn't in the last fortnight. Yeah. There hasn't been much. Park run is getting back into it, but certainly the times aren't quick at the moment at Park Run because it's well, it's it's pouring down and it's hot and it's humid. Um, and there's just been really the Southeast Queensland Trail Series, but there's a few things that have happened around Australia that we'll get into. But uh, before we start, Kyle, we just want to um, make note. It's a bit of a, a bit of a sad weekend at the moment because. Uh, an accident, a, a horrific accident to our good friend Kerry Suda over in New Zealand um, has occurred over the weekend. For those of you who haven't heard, he had a, a mountain biking accident. So, Kyle, do you want to tell us a little bit about what we know and what we can do to support um, Kerry and Ali? Yeah, so I kind of heard about this. This happened yesterday morning on the Saturday morning, for those people listening later in the week. Uh, Kerry was up in the Redwoods in Rotorua, near the Redwoods, kind of on the Tarawera course, um, and came off his mountain bike, had quite a bad accident uh, and he broke and dislocated his neck. So he had to get airlifted straight to Auckland Hospital, hospital in Auckland um, and underwent kind of emergency spinal surgeries. So obviously you know, the community is rallying around him and Ali at the moment because obviously it's a pretty tough time for them to go through. So currently kind of we're still just waiting to hear how he's going with everything. It's going to be a fair long recovery for him. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, of a bit of a crazy weekend for everyone, obviously. It was one of those kind of moments where I, I looked at my phone when I was at work yesterday and just had a few messages from people just, you know, saying, have you heard about Kerry? So you, know, you think the worst kind of straight away. Yeah. And then, you know, it was kind of confirmed when I heard what had happened to him. So a bit of a scary kind of last 24 hours for everyone that's, you know, has known Kerry well for a long period of time. So I've kind of been in contact with Ali and had a chat to him and to Ali who had been talking with Kerry and, you know, he's always going to be in a positive mood. He's a positive guy. And as I said to Ali, like if anyone's going to recover and get through this, it'll be it'll be him. So we're hoping for kind of good news. But, yeah, a few people have set up some kind of GoFundMe pays or fundraisers for, for Kerry and Ali because, again, they run their own business squadron who I coach for and, you know, that's their that's their main income. So obviously the future is a little bit uncertain with just what this recovery and, you know, the future is going to look like for them. So they've a few pages have been set up as a GoFundMe on the Squadron of Australia page and then there's another one 
for New Zealand. So we might try and leave those links for people if they feel like they'd like to donate and just kind of help Carrie and Ali with their recovery. Because I think most people who listen to this that have, you know, done UTA or gone to Tarawera or those things would have had some interaction with Carrie at some point. And obviously we've right. had him on the podcast here before chatting about UTA. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a crappy weekend for everyone involved. And obviously we we wish Carrie the best and hope he can make a recovery and yeah, praying for good news for him. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we'll put the uh, we'll put the links to those GoFundMe pages in our show notes. But you can also find them. Um, they're being shared quite a lot by people on the Gold Coast, by trail runners on the Gold Coast. There, yeah. As Kyle said, all the best to Ali and Kerry. We hope there's uh, some positive news to come out of that in the in the days and weeks ahead. Um, so Kyle, so talk us through a little bit then about your training fortnight. Have you have you been able to get in? The sessions that you wanted to with these wet and windy conditions. I didn't run with you on Friday morning. I went out to uh, one of my favourite loops, the Bills Hills Loop in Ashmore uh, with Christy. So that was good to get back onto that loop. So I know you were doing a tempo run on Friday. Um, did that go ahead? Because it was a, uh, it was a tough morning to do, to do some tempo work. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. So training's gone well. Obviously, it's been an interesting kind of last week. It's tested the motivation levels a little bit kind of earlier in the week. But the mm. previous week, I had another one of those. I just had a really good week again. Again, strung together. I said on the last episode I was going to try and keep stringing together some good weeks and and managed to string together a couple of good weeks. So got another two sessions in um, and a good long run, another 31Ks over some rolling hills on the weekend. So it was both of those sessions, like the conditions were just really hot, humid, tough. So we had to kind of adjust things. And I was pretty happy with how, you know, the splits that I hit given what conditions we were running in. So that was a good positive sign. And then... As we kind of got into the start of this week, I started to have a look on Strava because I know they give you the the weather conditions when you start as to, you know, humidity, temperature. And I had a look, and I think between Saturday last week and Friday this week, every single run was 100% humidity. So that's got to be like it was a seven-day streak that I went on of 100% humidity days. So that's not a streak that I'm hoping continues, but at the end of the day, it's going to rain probably the next week. So it probably will be 100% humidity for a while. So it was good. So we did uh, just some short intervals Tuesday. And then, yeah, the plan was for Friday. The weather kind of just got worse as the week went on. And I think by the time we got to Wednesday, so Wednesday was probably the day that tested my motivation the most. So I decided Luke and I were going to get out for an extra half an hour before Wednesday walkers. So we pulled up the main beach to start at about 4.30. And when I was driving down, I left home and it was just absolutely bucketing down. I just thought, you know, what are we doing? Like, this is stupid. And I kind of drove down and the rain started to ease off and I thought, yeah, oh, this will be all right. We'll be okay. And I got to the car park, a few drizzle, you know, bits of drizzle, but it was okay. And then just as I was getting out of the car, it just started to get heavier and heavier. And then Luke and I jumped down and were hiding behind this wall at the pavilion <laughs> at main beach, just not really wanting to start. And we thought, oh, we better go. So we ran in just sideways rain in the pitch black at you know, 4.30 in the morning through Main Beach. We would look like two crazy guys if anyone if anyone saw us. So that that tested the motivation a bit. And then I thought, oh, we've got this kind of decent session planned for Friday. I really hope it's better than it was today. Yeah. And it wasn't much better. It was It wasn't quite as wet but it was really windy and really humid. So it was a bit of a tough one because it was it was hard going into the wind, but cool. But then it was really humid when you went with the wind. So it was one of those sessions that I thought, oh, it's going to be tough. And we did 5K kind of around just a little bit faster than marathon effort. And then we ran jog for three minutes. We did five by one minute hard, one minute easy, another three minute jog. And then we did another 5K kind of down at threshold after that. And yep. I was really happy with the session. So I, I went back and looked afterwards we did this session i think the end of july last year and this year i think i ran the two 5ks were around 332 or 333 and then about 328 for the second one 
And I looked last year and I think we ran 328, 326. But I looked at the weather and it was 13 degrees with 50% humidity last year when we did that session compared with 23 yeah. degrees and 100% humidity. So when you do the conversions for temperature and humidity, I was very happy with, with how that session went. So that was a good one to kind of tick off. You know, it wasn't as fast as what we ran it last time, but you can't kind of compare sessions from winter to summer. So for me to kind of do the conversion and compare, I was probably more happy and impressed with how that one went given the conditions than than the one we did in winter. And it was also yeah. a good confidence boost given that I said to the guys, oh, well, we're running these few runs this week, like conditions can't get any worse than this. Just remember no. this when we kind of get into winter, when it cools down, there's no wind and it's lovely, or especially in Canberra if it's cold. It felt like we were running in like a washing machine half of the week this week. Mm. So it'll be nice when it finally starts to feel good, just how much better we're going to feel in these sessions. But we kind of ticked those sessions off this week and it was just one of those weeks where it, you know, it didn't feel great wasn't pretty but we just ticked them off and, and got it done so that was kind of the week and then I had yesterday off and then obviously the news came through about Kerry or anything and I can definitely say I was not lacking motivation to get out of bed this morning kind of after just hearing that and you know realizing how grateful I am for the fact that I can just get up and go for a run whenever I want mm. I was you know straight up out of bed this morning ready to go for that long run and it absolutely poured the entire 30ks around this morning but just kind of loved the fact that I could actually get out there and do it so kind of really enjoyed this morning's run just like I said being very grateful for the fact that I could actually get out there and catch up with some friends and go for a run so that's been so, that's been training the last couple of weeks what were your kilometers this week then what did you get to uh last week was 123 this week was only 103 only because I didn't double on Monday and I took yesterday off so yep. I was going to run yesterday and just I had it was more that that session on Friday was a fairly decent quality session and I actually pulled up really well yesterday, but just, again, we're going to race next weekend. So kind of took yesterday as just a bit of a rest day before getting into a few more runs early this week, and then we'll kind of just ease off before the race on the weekend. So only 103 this week, so that was kind of the lowest one I've probably had for a month. But, yeah, feeling good and just trying to, you know, it's a tricky patch at the moment when everything's feeling really good not to push too far, and I've got to be very cautious mm. that just because things are going well doesn't mean they're going to keep going well. So, I'm just trying to be a bit smart, take a day off if I need to, and you know, just listen to my body as well and try and get a bit more sleep some days. So, yeah, 103 and feeling good. So that doesn't hurt you, the dropping from 120 to or 123 to 103? That that doesn't keep you up at night thinking, oh, no, I'm 20 kilometres less? You're not a slave to the numbers like some people are? I'm pretty much like all I cared about this week was I hit both my sessions and I ticked my long run off. Like if I can tick that off every yeah. week, like everything else is just kilometres. And if I can finish the week ticking those sessions off in my long run and feel good, then I'm happy. So yeah. more because that is a bit of a trap. Feel... Oh, of course it that's is. An, that's People an amateur trap, isn't it? Yeah. People love the numbers. So no, it was I. You know, 103k is still a good week. You know, I'm not that concerned about the distance. It's still a decent week with a day off. So no, I was happy with that because I think it was really tough conditions and just even testing the motivation a little bit this week with just the conditions. So I think to tick off two good quality sessions, a good 30K long run, and get some other running done as well, given the mm. week we've had, I'm more than happy with that. And again, I would rather be kind of training at, you know, 90% of what I think I could really do if I pushed it consistently and feeling good than kind of testing that limit most weeks because at the end of the day, like I said, you feel good until you don't. So I just don't want to tip myself over that edge for the yeah. sake of, you know, a couple of hours of easy running, which is just at this stage, it's not, the main priority for me so yeah kind of just taking a somewhat trying to be smart and try not to do anything too silly just so, stringing uh, the weeks together so it's good 
are, are we in the bubble wrap phase yet? Are we now just watching everything, stepping off curbs carefully, getting out of cars <laughs> gently, those kind of things that people do when the races start to get closer? You, you walk from, from the kitchen to the couch and you think, oh, I've just got a slight twinge there in the hamstring. You think, that's it, race day's over. Is, are we bubble wrapping yet? Or not? No, we're definitely we're definitely not bubble wrapping, and that's why it was. I'm kind of glad that we've got this little race next weekend, and again, we're just using it as a bit of a hit out, just so we can kind of break up this training block a bit. Because this week we'll probably we'll still do a session on Tuesday, and then we'll kind of just jog for the few days after that. We're going to head down and do the Port Macquarie Running Festival, the half marathon on the Sunday, yep. and the plan for that is just you know we want to have a good solid hit out without smashing ourselves. So you know I don't I want it to be an all out race as hard as I can kind of race. I just want to get a good solid race in. If I feel good at the end, I'll go a bit quicker at the end. But kind of we know what we want to go out and do. It's just a matter of going and executing it. And then obviously we'll just make sure we do that because the last thing I want is to go down there and try and run too quick, get caught up in the race and then, you know, blow up and feel like it takes me a week to recover. So that's the the plan is to use it as a bit of a lead up event and a bit of a hit out, not a not an all out race because it's only Canberra's only five weeks after this half. So the plan is that we'll start back with our first big session on Thursday after this half marathon. We'll give ourselves kind of three days of just recovery and not doing too much. And then we're probably only going to get five or six quality marathon sessions in prior to Canberra after the half. So it's kind of just get through this. I want to just get through this week feeling good, go into this half feeling good, tick that off. And then it's really probably the three weeks after that, which will be the big marathon block those few weeks. Mm. That'll be quite big volume. And then, We'll taper off and then I'll bubble wrap myself for two weeks before yeah. Canberra. <laughs> it's uh, you have to put that sign up, way the uh, athlete, amateur athlete in taper mode. That's yeah. always, a, always a dangerous person to come across, aren't they? When there's an athlete in taper zone, yeah. oh, you never yeah. know who you're going to get. Um, one more question about the training you were talking about that was on Friday, there was going to be a time trial attempt by one of the guys in your group. By Chris, did that go ahead or was it called off due to? Uh, no, I, I called that off. I called it off the day before because I we were yep. running on the Thursday and it was just conditions were terrible. And I, Chris was going to do a park run a couple of weeks ago and it kind of didn't happen. And then we thought, oh, we'll do a 5K at some point. He's not racing until the half marathon at Gold Coast Running Festival, which is a couple of weeks after Canberra. So he's still got a, like eight weeks until he's racing uh, the half there. So it was more just to give him a bit of a hit out because he's been training really well. Um, and mm. I just said to him, look, you can come down and do it. You're probably not going to run anywhere near your potential, but you'll get a, you know, you'll still get a good hard hit out if you like, or if you're happy to, we can push it back a couple of weeks, and I can give you another session. And you can come in and just do a session with us. So yep. he was more than happy to he was more than happy just to <laughs> to push it back until the conditions get a little bit better. And get, then we, he came down and did the session and had a really good run, but conditions just weren't great. So you know I think he still would have had a good run, but it just it just yeah. wasn't the time to do it. So you know we just took the smart option and thought you know it's not worth it. It just was literally a time trial with us. We can do that anytime. So yeah. we'll probably do something in the next you know, two or three weeks. You might have another go. Probably just wait for the weather to chill out a little bit and hopefully cool down a touch and then then you'll have another crack. Well, we're not on the weather front. We're not too far away from the uh, the break. In the, well, the break in season's about to happen, but the break in the weather. If I remember it most years, Cole, I think it's, it's almost the end of March. Sometimes the very first week of April, it just all of a sudden, bang, you go from these humid days, don't you, to just – Oh, I just think there's the training. There's all that summer training that I've been going through. And like you said earlier, like we we get surprised in February when it rains, but it rains every February. This is what it does every yeah, single year. This is it's, it's the this same. So I'm, I'm hoping that I remember I looked last year and I feel like last year it took longer for the winter to really kick in. I felt like it wasn't until probably May that I felt like yeah. it actually cooled down a little bit. So I'm hoping 
I can guarantee it'll be the week after Canberra. I can guarantee mm. we'll train right up until our taper starts and then it'll start to cool down when we leave probably two days before Canberra. You watch it all. Yeah. It'll drop down below into the mid to high teens right around like the 10th of April. Like you've said many times, right, like training in this heat and then going to Canberra and race in what it's, what's the difference going to be? Is it going to be 15 degrees cooler? Is that roughly what it is or is that? It, yeah, I'd say it'd probably be close to 50, at least 15 degrees cooler. So, yeah, it's and that's the thing that's we it. keep telling ourselves that we've we've kind of, if I look at my training block kind of since the New Year's hit and I just look at the splits regardless of pace, I feel like I've had a really good training block. And what I need to be keeping to reminding ourselves is we're doing this in the middle of summer and it's humid, it's yeah. hot, and, you know, we're running really well and feeling really good. So it's just a massive confidence boost then that once this weather cools down and we get in 10, 15 degree cooler weather, we should be flying. So, you know, mm. we're kind of just making sure we keep telling ourselves that, hold ourselves back in these sessions, still running to the right effort, not worrying too much about the pace, knowing that as soon as winter hits and if the temperature was 10 or 15 degrees cooler, we'd be running significantly faster. So now it's just being yeah. patient and waiting for that to happen. So just before we leave your training then, so what's the plan for Port Macquarie? You mentioned to me on Wednesday that you'll, you'll push or you'll work hard to 15 and then do you, because it's, it's effectively a, a practice race, do you just assess how you're feeling at 15 kilometres and then decide to push again or just to ease it through to the finish? Like what's, what's your thinking? What's your approach? Yeah, I th- like, you know, we're all competitive, so I can guarantee we'll be racing the last few Ks because, you know, we're yeah. setting on the start line with a bib. We're going down there for a reason. But the plan, and again, this will purely depend on weather conditions. Like if conditions are okay, then we'll go with this plan. But if it turns into a rubbish day, that we might have to change that and change plan. But if everything looks good and conditions are good, the plan is, Luke and I have said, we're going to try and go out around the mid 320s, maybe 325, somewhere around that and just see how we kind of go with that, which is still solid. But if the weather turns and it's going to be the really windy or quite warm and humid, we might pull that back a little bit more as well. If not, the plan is to try and go out around, you know, the first 15K or so around that 325s and then we'll just assess how we feel. Like I said, the last thing I want is for it to be an absolute max effort and I'm, I'm wrecked at the end. Um, yeah. So the kind of the goal is just try and get through around those mid 320s and if I tick that off and I feel okay and it's not the best day, that's fine. If I have a good day and it ends up being a touch quicker, great. And if the weather conditions are horrible and we just have to go, okay, the goal is just to get a solid 21Ks in at the right effort, then mm. that's what we'll do. Yeah. Awesome. So that's Sunday. What what time's race time? Is there a live feed we can watch? Is there live results? <laughs> I, what, I don't know if there'll there? be a live, a live feed of the of the Port Macquarie <laughs> Running Festival. Um, I think we start 7 o'clock New South Wales time. I don't think they're back. Yep. I think they're still in daylight saving for the next few weeks. So yep. I think it'll be 6 o'clock our time next Sunday. So done I'd by say the live results somewhere, but we'll see. Done by quarter past seven yeah. time then. That's what we're thinking. Yeah, yep. that's the plan. I think if the pace works out and we everything, you know, conditions are good and I'm hoping we'll run somewhere around one twelve, something like that. If yep. conditions are, aren't as good, then probably one thirteen. I think if we're over, I think when I looked GC fifty, I went through the half marathon in just in one thirteen forty. And that wasn't ideal conditions either. So I figure if I can do that when I'm in a 25K race, I should be able to at least run 112 off the back of this mm. training. But we'll see what conditions do. And like I said, the goal is just tick it off and have a good run and nothing silly. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll look forward to that. That's great to see, uh, see you back into some racing. So as we said, there hasn't been a huge amount happening. Um, maybe, I don't know, is the, the highlight of the last fortnight was our live podcast on Wednesday night with Risha and Henry yeah. and, and Ben. That was the, great. The trivia night. I realised at the end I didn't actually keep score of the uh, of the guests' correct answers. I noticed not, that. I've got, no, I've got no idea who won the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but thanks to everyone for, for who, who joined in and, and took a chance on us. We took a chance that night going live and 
I don't know, maybe that's something we can look at doing a bit more in the future. Um, and of course, Ben Lavery won the uh, the coveted Goat Loop uh, coffee mug. So we're just waiting for Ben to tell us where we can send that because he's somewhere in uh, somewhere in Western Australia. He's all over the place um, at the moment. So as I said, Ben, whenever you can get that PO box to us or the address where we can send it to, then uh, we'll get that. We'll get that coveted mug over to you. But Kyle, as we said, there's, there's not a huge amount that's been happening. It's really been one race, the um, the SEQ Trail Series at Hins Dam. Now, um, that was round six. I'm not I'm not 100% sure whether round seven will go ahead next week, looking at you mm. and Manic. That's, I mean, obviously they haven't made a call yet because everything can happen in four or five days. But, you know, if this rain doesn't ease up, then I don't know, maybe maybe you and Maddox won't go might ahead. Be because it's, might be a it's marathon a swim. Aquathon. They yeah. might swim it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm going to go through some results because I was out there myself. Um, I wouldn't say I raced. I'd say I... Uh, what is it? Competed or completed? That's the word we offered here. So I think I completed this. I'll tell you uh, what, Carl. Whatever you want to go with. I've gone, I've gone from coming back from the ankle injury, jogging easy, doing one or two sessions, and then about 85 to 90 metres into this race, I thought, holy dooly, I'm in trouble here. Like, because your heart rate just go, your heart rate just goes to the roof, doesn't it, in a race? Like, it's, it it's sure just a does. completely different... I always talk to people about race fitness and I always find I'm better when I race. The more I race, the better I am as a runner. Um, so this this told me exactly where I was, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, and I was pretty grateful that we had the, the you know, the, the wall section, which was two and a bit kilometres over, two and a bit kilometres back. So effectively 5K of my, you know, 10 or 11 was on the road. So I was quite happy about that, but it was good going. But good, good to be in a battle, good to be out there putting a bib back on when it's been a, a long time. But... Um, some fantastic results. No course records. I think that's right. No course records, I think, on this weekend. Yeah, I don't think there was. Um, so let's go through the results. So long course, first of all. that's a, It's a tough course, the long course at Hinsdam. You go up a very big, steep hill to start with. You come back, you go onto the uh, up the stairs, along the dam wall, and then out into the single trail. Um, so in the female race, we had Charlotte Taylor, 158 in third place. Danny Taylor, 155. I wonder if that's um, family related. It could be, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Aaron Robertson, 146. No Murphy Rankin at this one. Um, so I'm not too sure how it's going to affect the leaderboard, but of course, you only need five results to actually get, you know, to go onto the leaderboard points table. So whether Murphy's looked at her five already and gone, that'll be enough. I don't know. But, um, you know, when she's not there, you, you've got to take the chance. And Aaron's done exactly that and won quite comprehens- comprehensively there by, by nine minutes. Um, in the male race, we had quite a good lineup. When you looked at the, the guys who were standing yeah, on the start did, line, you we? thought, this is going to be quite good. And we're grateful that we had a little bit of video from various people up on the wall and um, on the single track and things like that. So Dave Vernon, 126 in third place. Eddie Keogh, 124 in second place. And Jack Gill, 121 in first place. So I think Eddie actually went, I didn't realise this until I spoke to Jack in the week, but Eddie actually went out and led for the first stages. Um, and the first bit of video I saw was when they came up off the stairs onto the damn wall and Jack had Eddie by... You know, 10 20 meters at that stage so yeah eddie's eddie's given jack a good a good test there he didn't sort of have it his own way the whole way um but a good uh a good test for eddie as well because i've heard he's going to be heading to uta for the 50 i think so that's that shows he's in good form certainly if he can split jack and dave of course you had the great battle with dave vernon last year in the uh, the short course um in the championship so you know how good he is um but yeah so wonderful performance there from jack again to take another win in the short course, then, uh, the females in third place, uh, Veronica Apps, 58 minutes. Christy Windmill, first race back for a long, long time. 
56 minutes, and Jody Cumner took out the females in 55 minutes. For the males, in third place, we had Kerry Stewart, 52 minutes, Brian Wilder, 46 minutes. And I don't know if I can say he's the most improved in the, over the last year. Certainly, yeah, when you look at some results, Clayton Moore, 45 minutes. So that's he's now got the better of Brian twice. Clayton's a young fella, um, but he's obviously getting better and better with age as he goes through those late teens and early 20s. Um, 45 minutes there from Clayton. So did you and, you and Dave ran 43? Is that right? 43 and 44? I think Dave I think. was 42 and I was 43, something like that. Yeah. He might have been high 42 and I was high 43, I think. Yeah, so Clayton's a couple of minutes off, off the record there, but that's a wonderful result for him. Um, but, yeah, good racing all round. Um, great atmosphere out there again. Benny Deneen on the microphone was awesome. Slippery conditions. The single trail was an absolute mess. And for someone like me who hasn't run trails for a long, long time, I was, I was very, very slow going. But it's there's nothing like a race early in a season or early in a, I guess, a recovery to really show you where you're at. And sometimes it could be a bit of a slap in the face and sometimes you do better than you think. But for me, it was just a case of, okay, this is exactly where I thought I was, you know, I it um it was good fun. It was really good fun. You you do I think this I think this series, this the short course series for trial running is such good value in terms of the races that you get and the courses that you get and the competition that you get. Um and we don't have too many of them around. We we've got the SEQ series and we've got the um the scenic rim um series, which I think has only got three or four events, not as many. Um Sunshine yep. Coast used to have a cross country yep. series um at one stage. Yep. Brisbane's got a Brisbane's got a cross country series on Saturday afternoons, but um, you know, with Narang not having their short course series anymore as well. So I, it's so hard. Trail, short trail races when you have you no know, longer trail races, Kyle, you can sort of build into it, can't you? You go, well, I'm not, gonna, not really going to push this hill too much because I'm running a 50 or a, running a 100 or whatever. But you have no excuses whatsoever when the distance is only 10.7 or the distance is 17. You know, it's, it's going to hurt. One thing I reckon is interesting way. on this with the short trail running, why it's so hard is even if you're doing like a – like I don't know, you might be able to answer this question because I reckon it was probably similar for me last year. But if you line up for a 10k trail race and you go, okay, I might run around 50, 55, 60 minutes, depending on how hilly it is, for example. So I think you're around 55 mm. minutes. If you look at that, you go, oh, I think most of us stand on the start line and go, oh, 10k trail race, like this is a short one. Let's go, and yeah. we all fly off the start line. Yeah. But if you stood on the start line and you were doing a 55 minute road race, so let's say you're jumping in a 15k road race. <laughs> You would know yeah. exactly how to pace those first two Ks and you'd be sitting there going, okay, these first two Ks need to feel really good. I'm not going to go out too hard. And everyone yeah. paces it really well and you run really well. But as soon as we get on the trail start line for a race under an hour, we act like we're running like a 3K on the track. I don't know what it is about <laughs> short trail races, but we all do it. You're right. I don't know what yeah. it is. You wouldn't do it like 10K on the road. I'd only run, you know, just over half an hour. I wouldn't go out as hard as probably what I would on a 12K trail race. No. I don't know what it is. We just have it in our head that we can sprint these short trail races when – we definitely can't. So I think that when I come back to do some short trail races, I'm going to try and try and employ that into my my race tactics. I'm, I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you go up pretty quick again. No, I'm sure. Guy, um, guy fell at the uh, on the as you you know the Hins Dam start. Kyle, you might remember it. You go straight off the start line down a slight little grass bank, and then you're straight onto a concrete sort of single trail. And you know Benny had said on the loudspeaker, just take it easy as you go through there. Like you don't want to. It's a bit slippery. So all of us just sprinted off the start line. I was way back, but one of the guys fell on the very first bend and has just gone over and it's like a pinball machine, just taking out two or three people. But you're right, everyone just goes out quick. And I don't know, I think for me it's the heart rate. It, that's what kills me on short trail races. Like if you say, right, go and do a 10K on the road, my heart rate will gradually climb as the race goes on and then it maxes out 
and you hold that. But you could pretty much draw a, a pretty straight line as it goes up. Trail race, not at all. Your heart rate just goes straight up and then you go upstairs and you've got to go up a hill. So your heart rate's going up and down and fluctuating and you never feel like you get into a rhythm. You never feel like your heart rate's under control. It's always like in your throat. So, um, yeah, they're great tests. They're wonderful tests. As I said, I'd be interested to see if you and Maddox will be on next week because obviously it's running around you and Maddox Dam and obviously with all the rain up there. Yep. Um, and then Daisy Hill in a couple of weeks' time is round eight and that'll be it so we'll look at the points table for that as it gets a bit closer but as we said it looks like it's brian in the short course um it looks like it's murphy and jack in the long course and the interesting one is um alana Dix, i think has the mm. short course but she was racing on on the weekend and was first at the top of the stairs for the females and then sort of drifted backwards jody went past her christy and veronica went past her as well so i'm not too sure what that's going to do to the overall leaderboard um, I don't think those other three girls can catch her, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, Kyle, let's let's move on to the goat loop. Is, is anything, anything to report from the goat loop? Anything at all? I have your not been on the goat loop in uh, so long. I think I, my tally is still 101. I've been really, yeah. you know, pulling my weight on the goat loop in the last 12 months, which has been great to see. No, not a whole lot of action that I've been seeing. There's been some people on it, which has been good. People are still running yep. it. Um, I don't know how high the water is at the creek at about the 1500 meter mark into that loop at the moment, but I would assume there'd be yep. a fair amount of water there. So probably best to be careful through there because, as you know, that could be quite dangerous through that little stretch of little stretch certainly, of water. Certainly can. Um, so the the total attempts at the moment, um, according to Strava, 6,654 loops have been done, 120 ish in the last fortnight. So, Kyle, let's just do a rough mathematical equation here. So, let's say there's roughly forty weeks of the year left. Yep, be about right. Or have I gone a bit too? Let's let's just make it for the sake of ease. And it looks like there's sixty a week being done at the moment. Yeah. What does that give us for the year, Mr. Mathematician? Two thousand four hundred. Two thousand four hundred. What are we done at the moment? What would that put us at? Let's see what that puts us at. That would put us at 9,000, just a touch over 9,000. Now, I have, I'm looking back in my notes here. I can't find our predictions. Oh, but I think I that's me. What mine was. Did you go nine? Here Maybe we go. Like eight, eight Not, what did I say? I said 9,027. It's there, and I'm circling it. 9,027. Okay. What did I if say? This keep, I think you were lower than that, way. I think you were 8,000. Oh, I don't know. You said 8,300. How many laps have been done? Um, 6,654. Okay. So based on that, if we get another 60 a week, so come on, people, let's get out there. Um, if we get 60 a week, that'll put us sweetly on that 9,000 mark. This I think I'm going to come up with another I'm going to come up with another competition for everyone to do that just doesn't involve the goat loop that goes for six months. Yeah. Just get everyone off the goat loop. That'd be great. Or you'll, or you'll go out on New Year's Eve and just run like a dozen of them <laughs> just to push it over. <laughs> um, but some, some, some great footage from Narang this weekend with obviously the Narang waterfalls and things like that. So I saw Matt Burt did 45K out there. Tom Brimelow did 53K. Now, as we've said a few times, Kyle, the love affair that Tom Brimelow has now with Narang is something which is quite sweet to watch, isn't it? Because... For a long time, there was a fair bit of animosity towards it, and now it looks it like was. it's it's go to place. So, Tom, you're welcome. He loves it. It's great. <laughs> he knows why we're all there for so long. He's, he's worked it out. He's found yeah. the secret for Narain. Yeah. All right, Kyle. So, as we said, there's not much local, so we're just going to take a quick um, journey around a 
Australia and then a quick chat overseas. Yeah. Just, um, so you've got a few things for us. There was, you, were, you were talking about going to Hobart, weren't you, to run the bridge? Yeah, I'd mentioned the, the that was that was potentially yeah. when I was looking for something to do around this time, and then we kind of found Port Macquarie, and I thought that's probably you know, probably an easier option. We'll head down there for a couple of days, and, and the half will be a little bit more applicable to my training at the moment. So, but the the Hobart Run the Bridge was on this morning. So this race is, has a little concept which they call the Battle of the Sexes, where they take the female course record and the male course record, they work out the difference between the two, and that's the head start that the elite female field gets over the rest of the field and the elite males. And then yep. it's a race to the finish line. So they have $3,000 prize money for first male and first female. But then there's a bonus $3,000 for the first person that crosses the line, either between the male or female. So it works out that if they both ran the exact course record, they'd both have a basically a photo finish and dive over the line. So they do a really good live stream of this race. So for anyone who wants to watch it, if you go onto the Hobart Run the Bridge and go back to you know, today, which is Sunday the 27th, you'll be able to find they do a full live video and they have a split screen between the males and the females. And you can kind of just work out, you'll watch the female race and see points that they pass. And then you can kind of watch when the guys come past it a few minutes later and you just slowly watch the gap close and close. And what ended up happening this year, and everyone's probably got to go back and watch this because it was such a great finish. I won't spoil who actually gets the win here, but it basically, they have a finish line shoot. And you know, with all these cameras, everything looks really close, but they've actually got a couple of hundred meters to run and the first two females were in the finish shoot and then brett robinson who was the leading male comes flying into the finish shoot passes the second female and there's a sprint finish between the first female and the first male for this bonus three thousand dollars and it pretty much ends up in a photo finish so it's it's a great finish to watch so for anyone that hasn't followed that race you've got to you've got to jump on and watch this finish it's a it's a brilliant concept um but yeah and it turns out that the two people that it was between which was rose davies and brett robinson um they're actually reasonably good friends and they'd actually just done a podcast episode together on brett and joel's for the kudos podcast a couple of weeks ago yeah. so i think there would have been a bit of banter back and forward after that race knowing that one of them's just out dipped the other one and taken three thousand dollars off them but <laughs> i'll go through the i'll go through the actual results which won't really give it away unless people know the course records but in the females, uh, Natalie Rule was third in 32.46. Charlotte Perdue, from, who's from Great Britain, who trains and is staying over here at the moment, uh, she's ran 32.37, and Rose Davies took the win in 32.32. So that was the female race. And then in the male race, Joel Tobin White was third in 29.08. Andy Buchanan was second, 29.05. And like I said before, Brett Robinson took the win, 28.37. So... Pretty fast running on a reasonably hilly course because the 10K has got just over 100 metres of vertical gain in it for a road 10K. So it's not the flattest course in the world and they're running some very, very impressive times. But, yeah, it was between Rose Davies and Brett Robinson. There was a, a photo finish and a sprint down the finish shoot to see who was going to win the Battle of the Sexes and wow. it's well worth a watch. Great concept. Brilliant. An amazing idea. I know. Um, I kind of wish I was down there to see it now after, after choosing not to go, but... Looked like a beautiful weather too. Looked like a much nicer morning than what it was than what it was up here this morning. Yeah. It's great to see race directors coming up with concepts like that, isn't it? That just make it a bit more interesting and, and a bit more different. And um, I guess even highlights the, the female athletes as well, who often sometimes just, you know, they come in obviously later than the males most of the time. Um, so it just kind of highlights them, particularly if they're they're close to the Close to the win. So that's awesome. So that was happening. Um, what else has been happening, Kyle, around the world? We've had Camille yeah, Heron one, break the... Couple, yeah. This was something I kind of was following along. There was some live streams 
of this race that Camille was doing. So it was the Jackpot Ultra Running Festival in Nevada. Um, and so she held the previous world record at 12 hours, 42 minutes and 40 seconds from 2017. And she ran 12 hours, 41 minutes and 11 seconds. So one yep. minute and 29 seconds, she broke her world record by over 100 miles. So that works out to be 4.43 per kilometre for 100 miles Camille Heron wow. ran, which is just incredible. So came down a bit of a sprint finish for her, but she's, after five years, has broken her own world record. So What was the event? What event, what event? What, what event was it? Was it was called the Jackpot Ultra Running Festival in Nevada. Right. Interesting concept to go out and try and break your own world record. For, and I understand it for a short course race, but for a 100K race, that's a lot of pain to go through just to lower it by a minute. Is that, it's, is and that, I don't know whether I don't I can't remember where the splits were the way she was going out to try and run faster, but yeah, I can't remember. I don't know what a split was through 100k, but it's got to be quick for her to then still average 443 for hmm. for that. It's it's impressive running because I know when I did my 100k in Victoria, that was the pace I averaged for 100, and I was dead at the end of that. Yeah, so she's done that and run another 60ks and just absolutely smashed it. So it's I can absolutely comprehend wow. that. It's unbelievable. So. In ultra, yeah, not, we've and, seen a few of them this year actually in the last couple of years, so yeah, that was good to see. And the other big news, Kyle, from uh, we talked about UTMB last time in terms of the the, the race that they put on the um the ultra trail Kosciuszko, but this is directed more towards an athlete, probably the greatest of all time. Mm. That could maybe that's up for debate this year now. So who's who's coming? Well, not to yeah. not to Kosciuszko. This is not I'm not coming to Kosciuszko. <laughs> this is UTMB. The actual that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good if these people came to Kosciuszko. But yeah. no, it's announced that Killian's coming back to to UTMB. So he he missed last year. Um, he was there the year before that. Um, so it's yeah, it's kind of good to have him back because, like I said, a lot of people consider him probably the best mountain athlete we've probably ever had. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting because Francois Dane has not announced, I don't think at this stage that he's running UTMB this year, unless I missed that. So, and like you said, on the trivia night, Francois now got four UTMB wins. Killian's got three. So we were saying off air, if, if Killian picks up the win this year at UTMB, surely next year is the, the final battle between Francois mm-hmm. and Killian to see who, who becomes the greatest UTMB runner of all time. So yeah, yeah it's going to be good because you've still got, I think I saw, Xavier Thevenard, Pau Capel, Jim Walmsley, Killian, Tim Tollefson, plus a whole bunch more below that. But you've got pretty much, barring, I suppose, Francois not being there, pretty much the rest of, you know, the top ultra trail runners in the world are going to be there racing on the male side. And I think the female side's just as stacked. So I think they're trying to line it up to be a, a repeat of the, the 2017 race, which I think a lot of people consider yep. one of the best ultra races that's ever been run. So it's going to be an exciting year if if they get everyone fit and healthy to the start line. Do you know if um what's his name Zach Miller? Have you heard whether he's not he's sure? Going? I haven't heard too much out of Zach lately, so I'm not too sure whether he'll be there be, or not. Hopefully, because that'd be better if he was there. Yeah, because that'll that'll make it a quick race at the start, wouldn't it? He always goes out pretty quick. Um, and we were chatting before, weren't we, about the video they put out? Uh, I think UTMB put it out about Killian actually turning up and they interviewed all the other athletes, the ones that you mentioned, and they were all saying, you know, yeah, it's wonderful, so great that Killian's there. And I was watching it just going, no, you're not. You don't think that at all. You just, like, when the best athlete turns up next to you, like, and you've never won UTMB and, you know, 
I don't know if you want him there. You want him on I, the I did watch it, and I thought, I wonder how this makes all these other athletes feel. Like, these guys are his competitors that are trying to yeah. beat him. And UTMB has put them all together just so that they can announce Killian's coming and then film their reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that's going to make all these other all these other runners feel. I think I, I kind of was watching Jim Walmsley's face during this thing. You could tell he was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> like, damn it, why does, why does this have to happen again? So interesting think, concept, but hopefully he delivers. Do you think, well, as you said, Jim Wormsley now is moving to, to Chamonix into the area to train more for the next. He's, he's announced it, hasn't he? He's going for two UTMB cycles, which is an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> rather a way than, to measure than, time. Yeah, that's right. A way to measure time. So do you think, do you think the American, I mean, the Americans have never won UTMB. Um, I think males. Tim, Tim yeah. yeah, the males, yeah. Tim Tofferson's got third, hasn't he? I think that's the best they've ever got. Is that right? Has anyone yeah, ever got second? Got second, I'm not so sure, on the male side. I know they've definitely got a podiums before. So what is it about? What, what, where do the Europeans get them? Because the French and the Spanish have, have really dominated a lot in the last couple of years. So where, where do the Americans fall down on that course? Yeah, it's one of like, I think in general, and this is like a generalization, a lot of the American races tend to be a bit more runnable type races. A lot of the, you know, true runners that come from road running and track running and stuff do really well in America because it's generally just run fitness and they do quite well. Whereas a lot of the European athletes, they kind of grow up in the mountains on these steep technical trails. They can just run steep terrain and technical terrain really well. But obviously mm -hmm. there's been Americans who are incredible technical mountain runners as well that have gone across but just haven't quite been able to pull off the victory. So I think also just the depth of mountain athletes in Spain, France, and those European countries is just so much greater than probably what the US has had that have gone to UTMB. So mm. they'll get it. They'll get it at some point. But, yeah, it's it's almost now because it gets talked about every year. There's so much pressure on these top American guys to finally get this victory that I feel like the kind of the Europeans just go and run and just wait for them to blow up and then just take yeah. it because there's so much pressure on the Americans. So. I'm sure one of them will get it at some point, whether it's Wamsley or Tollefson, who knows. But I'm assuming they'll celebrate massively once one of them actually does it. Yeah. Imagine being the first American to lead out of Champagne-Lac or late in the race and knowing that this could be the year, like the energy behind that. I think Dylan I think Dylan Bowman mentioned on his podcast, um, when you look at Amer like American ultra and trail running, it has that college cross-country track background to it. And then you compare that to European trail running, and they have this skiing and orienteering background. He said it's almost like they're coming at it from two vastly different sports. And, and mm -hmm. that's where that technicality in the mountains comes in. As you said, the Americans are classically runners who go into ultra running, whereas the Europeans aren't. They're, they're skiers and the they're mountaineers. One thing that's interesting, though, is like the American women have done so well. Yeah. Like there's been multiple female winners. And I don't know whether they're just, you know, I, I don't know what that difference is or what you put that down to, whether it's depth of the fields or just... Oh, you know, if you convert them, like the the American females are just comparing to the rest of the world, just a little bit higher than where the American men are on that type of running. Like, I mm. suppose you'd have to argue that's the case. But the American women have done so well and most of them training in America as well. So it can be done. It's just I think it just yeah. hasn't happened because there's been really strong depth in the European male side. And the longer it hasn't happened, the more everyone keeps talking about it. And I don't, I don't know if there is a reason for it other than it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be floodwaters. Maybe it's just going to be like as soon as one gets it, then, you know, oh, then it will be. It'll, it'll, be, it'll happen year after year after year because it, it it has to play in the psyche of them a little bit when they're over there in a, in a negative way. It would be fantastic if an Australian man went over and won it before an American <laughs> man went over and won it. I don't ben know who, who we've got. Get yourself over there. Wouldn't that be good if, <laughs> if, they were, if we got an Australian male winner of the UTMB yeah. before the Americans did? Anyway. Yeah, Brad Glover, Brad Glover, or Ben Duffus, one of the two. One of the two get over there. I'd love to see Brad Glover 
coming into Chamonix for poles in hand, the big beer, just yeah, <laughs> just necking a beer at the end. That'd be that'd be the, that'd be the making of it. Um, all right, Kyle. So it's it's not a massive episode. We've we've got through most things. Uh, as we said, it's it's a strange time, February, and we've mentioned this a few times recently that March is just around the corner. So let's have a look at the races that are happening in March. Uh, we've got New and Matic next week. We've got Peak to Park in Toowoomba, which is a, a road race, I think, up there. We've got In the Raw coming. We've got SEQ Daisy Hill on the 20th. Then we've got the Noosa Ultra Trail on the 26th and the Yandina 5.0 on the 26th. So there's a lot of races there. There's, you know, there's one, two. There's two big ultras on the same day and there's multiple short course ones. So there's there's lots coming up. And, of course, uh, the, uh, the Port Macquarie. Half marathon yeah, as well. Biggest race here, all about. It's going to be massive. Biggest. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there's some big events that are coming up, and we'll chat more about those, I guess, in the next episode, particularly in the raw um, and the two ultras. Could brand new ultras. It'd be fascinating to see how they go. Um, uh, actually, one thing I did want to mention, Kyle, is that uh, Coastal High went on sale, didn't it? Um, this yeah, weekend, it did. I saw that. Tickets went up, so that was that was good to see. So that one's coming up later in the year as well. So. Yeah, anything else, Kyle, that's uh, sparked your interest for this week or anything else you want to mention training-wise? Nothing else. I suppose just well done to everyone getting through this week of training. I think I've seen some pretty impressive runs considering the weather's been absolutely horrible and it would be very easy just to switch the alarm off and go back to bed like Luke Kilbourne did this morning and missed our <laughs> long run. So well done to everyone that got out of bed this morning and, and got hey. their run in and didn't get a nice sleep in. Are you expecting Luke to be doing a 30K Sunday afternoon one as we speak now? That would be tough, wouldn't it? Absolutely not. I can guarantee, I can guarantee that won't happen. He, he, would, oh, just need, he needed a rest day, so he got a nice sleep in. So, yeah. Yeah. No, look, he's going well. He's going very well. So he earned a day off because he, he's had a good week. He's had a good last probably six or eight weeks. So it's going to be good to see how he goes next weekend as well because he's, he's coming down to race. Most of our group's actually going down to race, so it'll be good to see everyone have a little hit out and get some reward yeah. for the training block we've been doing. But, yeah, it's been Great good. stuff, mate. All right, that's good. Well, uh, we will chat then in a fortnight with the next episode. That'll be episode 60. And, uh, yeah, to everyone listening, thanks again for your support and uh, keep training through this wet period of time. It's the, the joy of April, May is just around the corner. That's when all that's the it. training. We'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. It'll be worth it in the end. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, thanks, mate. Chat to you soon. Talk to you soon. See you, everyone.